0: I'm ready. Let's do it. Welcome, one and all, to episode 232 of the Mars Attacks podcast. I'm your host, Victor. And I thank you for joining me for this episode. During the episode, we have the new weekly segment, Patron's Pick, with Jeremy Weltman, where he goes over some of the albums that I listed within the new releases column there, or new releases post that I do every week on marzataxradio.com. And he picks out some of the other albums that I haven't written about, and he mentions them and talks them up and so on and so forth. It's always an interesting piece. I appreciate Jeremy for putting that together for me on a weekly basis. Also, this week, we have Rock Valancourt. Rock is a good friend of mine. I met him through podcasting, and Rock and I have known each other for probably the better part of a decade And this interview is going to be us talking, you know, about kind of meeting one another, um, kind of how he, I don't want to say rose through the ranks, but, you know, just his experience with becoming a hard rock and metal fan. Um, Like I said, in the past, I love hearing about people's experiences. We had Tim Henderson who's from the Ontario area. We've had Jeremy Weltman from the UK on Brad from Yargmetal, Who's from the West coast and rock is French Canadian. He's from Sherbrooke. I always want to say Sherbury, but it's Sherbrooke up in Quebec, which is about an hour from Montreal and about, Three hours from Quebec City, if I remember my information correctly. And he's going to talk to us about going to shows, seeing some amazing shows of bands that later on became huge, and even checking out huge bands during specific points in time in his life where uh, they made a huge impact on him as well. Uh, He's also an avid wrestling fan. So we talk about some wrestling stuff and we throw in some of our day job stuff in there as well. Me being a web designer and you know, he grew up with a graphic design background. So anyway, uh, I do want to give a shout out to all of my patrons. Uh, I appreciate all of their support. We have Johan in Sweden. We have Rob Rowe from the rock and roll podcast, metal Dan, Jerry from long Island. Jose up in Connecticut, Chris Vaglio, the co-host of the Galaxy of Geeks podcast and a bunch of other shows, uh, the Metal Dentist, Gabriel Ruiz, Mark Striegel from Talking Metal, Brad Dahl from Yarg Metal, Mike Jones, Jeremy Weltman, and the OG Steve Hoker. I appreciate all your support. If you do go over to Patreon, we have the Album of the Week, which... This week, I kind of upped my game with the videos, and I did a picture disc from Anthrax. Too much Anthrax, though. I've done it back-to-back without realizing it. Just so busy that I didn't realize what I had done last week, uh, but I've recorded everything for the rest of the month, and yeah, it should be cool for you guys to to check out some of the stuff that I'm going to be showing off. Uh, I also post a ton of videos. For example, this week's new releases album that I focus on, The Ugly Kings, was a band that I posted in Patreon, and the patrons liked it, so I checked the album out further, and I've really enjoyed it as well. So I kind of went with an underdog piece today instead of going with Sepultura or something that's a lot more well-known. So if you want to find out anything or if you want to find out about Patreon, just go to Patreon forward slash Mars Attacks podcast and you can check all that good stuff out. So anyway, off to our segment with Jeremy Weltman. Take it away, Jeremy. Thanks, Jeremy.
1: Greetings, everyone. It's time for another Patron's Pick with me, Jeremy Weltman. This week on MarsAttacksRadio.com, Victor has listed all the latest albums as usual, and we've got quite a selection this time. He's gone for Night Ranger. Uh, it's an album which I've not actually heard yet. I've heard a track by it which he put on the um, on his uh, Patron's page for, for myself and, and other Patrons. Uh, so I've had a little glimpse of that one, a little listen to that. Uh, I'm going to listen to to the rest of the album at some point later today. There are 14 other albums listed, one EP. There are four reissues, uh, two of which are, are notable. One's by Nightwish, uh, the Once album. And Brian May's Back to the Light is also a reissue. And there's a, there's a live album too. There are quite a few um, interesting ones this week. Uh, just quickly uh, rushing through one or two. Um, there was a quite an interesting piano album by Serge Tankian, if that's your thing. Uh, there was the Crush album, Tropical Thunders, which has a real 80s sound. It's sort of like Steel Panther without the swearing. Um, possibly not as um, not as forward as Steel Panther, not as exciting as their, as their their sort of stuff, but 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 it was good nevertheless. Um, There's also an album by Blood Red Saints, which is actually a band from Manchester in the UK, not far from where I am. But their album, Undisputed, sounds like it was made in the US. It's got a real American feel to it. There was power metal from Feuer I think that's how you pronounce it, but the Germans amongst you will uh, correct me on that one. Um, And then there's a usual smattering of albums on Frontiers. The melodic rock label, uh, there was a band called Spectra. Uh, there's Mayank, uh, there's Isle of Roth, which was the collaboration with Doogie White and Emil Norberg. That's worth a listen. And the Circus of Rock album has come out, which has got, um, it's got a lot of different vocalists on that one. My pick this week, though, is the one by Alirio called All Things Must Pass, which is also on Frontiers. It's his debut album. He's a Brazilian singer and actor. He is a star of... Uh, Jesus Christ superstar in Mexico, and also plays the part of Judas in in the program of the same name in Brazil. He's um, more famous over there than he is over, say, in in the UK or in Europe. But this his debut album, I thought was was good. He's got a great voice. I thought it got off to a good start with the rocking "All Things Must Pass," the um, the title track. There are, this is a warning to you, there are quite a few softer tracks on it. If if you don't like that sort of thing, then it may not be for you, but I would get through that and listen to the rest. There is a song on there where he duets with Arnel Pinedo of Journey, a song called Grey. I like the the tracks Back to the Roots. I like the track Back to the Light, and I like the track I'm Still Here. And I thought that really overall, it was a really good effort, very well produced. I um, And... I thought it was very well worth listening to this week. So my patrons pick for this week is Illyrio, All Things Must Pass.
0: Thank you, Jeremy, for Patron's Pick, and thank you guys for listening to this episode. Remember that this is last week, at this point, August 6th, uh, Signals from Mars live stream. This is the audio version. My guest was Rock Valancourt, who is a good friend of mine. A lot of people learned stuff about him. Other people that know me and know Rock from other stuff on social media you don't know who he is, to me, his story is very interesting. That's why I had him on. I just wanted to have a great conversation with him. And I think I was able to accomplish that. Uh, Remember that Signals from Mars is every Friday, 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific, 11 p.m. in the UK. You can find all of the links to get to that live stream right on MarsAttacksRadio.com. If not, you can do Linktree forward slash... Uh, Mars Attacks podcast is another way of getting it. So, anyway, here's the interview. Enjoy. See you next time. Welcome, everyone, to the August 6th edition of the Signals from Mars live stream. I'm your host, Victor. And we are back on another Friday night. Thank you for joining us. Uh, the show, as always, is brought to you by the Mars Attacks podcast and by my web design work, VMRIT.com. And we are joined today by a good friend of mine, Rock. I just noticed that you <laughs> had added The Rock there. It was funny. I was watching some uh, entertaining videos from him promoting his latest movie, and, um, you know it's funny. I like a lot of what he does outside of wrestling, but then, when he just gets back in the ring, I just can't help but not like him. I don't know <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah i'm a I'm a fan, but you know in, in moderation right. you know i i lo- I love them back in the attitude days, you know when the, when everybody hated him and die rocky died that that was cool stuff,
0: but <laughs> yeah after that, it became kind of. Same thing over and over again. Right. It was interesting because what I had watched today, he was giving a lot of praise to uh, Pat Patterson, which a lot of people don't realize that Pat is really the one who kind of created that rock character and helped him come up with a lot of the promos and stuff. And, um, you know, in a way, and he actually said that Pat was his father figure. He said Rocky Johnson was his father but Pat was his father figure. So you could almost say that without Pat Patterson, he wouldn't be the biggest, you know, action movie star in the world right now.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And a fellow uh, French Canadian.
0: Yeah. There, there you go.
2: <laughs> Pat Patterson.
0: Yeah. So, um, um, I asked, uh, rock to come on and hello to, uh, Rob Rowe. Hello to, uh, Brad Dahl in Utah. um, Or maybe you're in L.A. already. I don't know. Let us know. Um, I've been telling you guys, the people that I have on here, I know I have people tell me, well, you need bigger names. You need this. You need that. I just want to have cool conversations with people. And Rock came to mind because he's originally uh, from Canada. And we've had this during the Patreon discussions where we got to discuss Iron Maiden and we got to discuss Motley Crue and it was just cool to get people's perspective on music, how they grew up and from different parts of the world. I think it's really neat to, um, you know, we have Jeremy who's in the UK, Brad, who obviously, you know, let us know the other day that he grew up um, and went to high school with Tommy Lee and um, oh, wow. actually met Vince Neal and stuff like that before he was famous. But um, it's cool to get everyone's stories on this stuff. And Rock and I have been friends, you know, I don't know, for probably at least a decade, right? Uh, yeah, I mean, it, pretty much when I started
2: podcasting, mm-hmm. and that was in 2010. Okay. So it was really early on, yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah. I started a year earlier, uh, but we had been, you know, I guess thanks to uh, John Caddick and him starting up the Cast Iron Ring, um, yeah. and then after that, we tried to kind of continue things with our own kind of network. It was funny the other day, I found um a bunch of stuff that uh that we had been using for we called it the uh Blast Beat Network, if I'm not mistaken. No, the Blast yeah. Sy- Blast Beat Syndicate. Um, yeah, yeah, and uh, and uh, you know, like everything else, you you try something, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't, but I mean, we've still always Remain friends, and rock has always been good at walking the uh off the ledge when we talk about wrestling things, which we were just kind of discussing there so yes,
2: uh, yes. sometimes you i think you go a little too
0: far in your uh
2: conspiracy theories
0: <laughs> <laughs> i I know it was funny when I was writing the um the thing this week about uh about McMahon purposely uh releasing people. So that AEW yeah. would run out of money. I'm like, I know Rock's going to love this. He's <laughs> he's going to laugh this one up to think, you know, what's what's this guy drinking to come up with this one? So yep. uh, pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, we're here to talk about metal. Um, you grew up in Quebec. Um, yes. I forget the name of the town, but what was the name of the town? Uh, Sherbrooke Sherbrooke. Okay. I'm like Sherbury. I'm like, no, that isn't right. It's something else. It starts with an S H, but I don't remember. Okay. So Sherbrooke you had from what, you know, we've talked about regarding wrestling. You, you guys did have an arena there where um, Mm I'm assuming that there was what minor league hockey there as well. Maybe. Yeah. We had junior hockey. Okay uh we did not get a whole lot
2: of concerts okay. in that arena i can remember of a handful of them and uh wrestling wwf came one time okay that i remember and it was their their b show cuz we were a b, probably a no it had to be a b show cuz the uh, <laughs> macho man was the uh, headlining okay and it was during the the hulk hogan you know
0: reign right. so yeah yeah but, that, that's funny because a lot of people still dispute to this day that Back at the you know at the two peaks, they had A, B, and C tours going on because there was yeah. high demand, and that's what they did. They had one champ on one show on or one tour, mm-hmm. another champ on another tour, and then it makes you think: Who did they have on the C tour though? Would they have the tag champs maybe? Or I don't know.
2: I don't know. I always hear about the A, the A, the A tour and the B tour, or the A city and the B city, right? But see, you're,
0: I, you rarely hear about those. So Right, because I know, like, on the East Coast, they would um, base themselves out of uh, – there was um, a place in Pennsylvania where Lennox Lewis, the boxer, later trained, and mm. that was kind of their home base because it was kind of close to, I believe, where the uh, Wild Samoans had their academy for a while. Okay. And so they used that, like, as a base – and then they'd go out to like smaller, like towns and cities on the East coast from there. And they actually did raw for a while from there. Like when they first moved from the, from the Manhattan center and they were in Pennsylvania, but um, anyway, um, so there were no shows there or, you know, similar to probably where, where I live now, or it was probably pop acts or things that were, you know bigger than what we were into probably coming into to play shows there right
2: the shows that i remember there was a a club a big club called the rock palace
0: okay and,
2: and uh bands would play there like anvil played there oh, okay uh, kick axe played there uh sword not not the sword right. the current or the canadian sword, band yeah canadian band they played there quite a lot but uh I know there was, there was some other smaller clubs that smaller bands would play at. Okay. But I do, I do remember, and I had a ticket for this, uh, Exciter was supposed to come to okay. the arena, which was a 5,000-seater. Okay. And it was the first, the first album when, they, that when Dan Beeler was not singing anymore. Okay. They had a, a, a different singer, and apparently right. they sold like 100 tickets. <laughs> <laughs> so they had to cancel the show. Right. And then they said, if you want to go to Victoriaville – which was about an hour away, they said, we will honor your tickets there. But apparently the, you know, the, the the turnout wasn't great there either. So, but they they were playing in the arena there, but they did play the show there. So, so I almost saw Exciter. (laughs) (laughs) That should be a t-shirt. I almost
0: (laughs) almost saw Exciter. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. um, So, the, those are all mainly Canadian bands you just mentioned. So, I mean, it's. I'm it's, trying to
2: think. I'm trying to think because you know, in those days, I just wasn't old enough to go see shows, right? And in in clubs, so I didn't. One of my friends, he looked like he was like 20, and <laughs> even though we were 16, and he would go all the time. He saw Anvil. he saw Sword, he saw Kick right. you know? but. For me, I just didn't have the guts to even try. I was right. too much of a scaredy cat. <laughs> and, uh, you know, when you think about it, the worst they would have done is just they turn me around and say, no, you can't come in, you know. Right. But then, you know, I didn't have a car. You know, I was a teenager, you know, so I had no way to get there. Really, I had no money. So I was like, yeah. well, how am I, I going to buy a ticket? So but uh, by the time I turned 21, uh, 18, I mean, that club was gone.
0: It, oh, wow. it, had,
2: it had closed down. So we didn't have any metal shows coming. Right. Uh, I, I know that uh, Oblivion played at one point.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, you remember them? I do Oblivion not. Out of, out of Montreal with okay. an E O uh, B L E. Uh no, oh, no, O B L I V E O N. Uh they played downtown, but I wasn't a fan, so I didn't go. <laughs> right. So, uh I wasn't into the into uh, death metal yet or even not not that they were really death metal, but they were a lot harsher than what I liked at the time. Right. So but, yeah, so yeah, by the time I was of age to to go there, that's i was I was going to Montreal instead
0: mm-hmm. gotcha, yeah. so Montreal was i guess the the closest hub to well, it's the closest city to where you were, so that's yeah. where the majority of the shows were, were going. I mean, yeah, l- let's be honest montreal and and I spoke to um oh, why did, why am I all of a sudden forgetting? His damn name uh, from Brave Words. Um, oh yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah uh, J- uh, Johnson? No,
2: no. Tim Tim <laughs> Henderson.
0: Tim Henderson. Damn yes. it! I just interviewed him like <laughs> like a month ago, and I'm um, I'm on the spot here trying to remember his name. This is why you're supposed to take notes. Damn it! And and get ready for things. But uh, yeah. anyway, Tim Henderson said flat out, Montreal is the metal capital of Canada. It is. And, and he said, you know, anyone that tells you otherwise is wrong. Yeah. So um, 18, you were going to shows in Montreal then?
2: Yeah. Yeah. My, well, my very first show that I went to was actually in Victoriaville, okay. which is a, a small town. It's smaller than Sherbrooke. The Metallica played there. Okay. I saw Metallica on the Master Puppets tour.
0: Oh, wow.
2: Uh, uh, it was one of the first few shows with Jason Newstead. Cause we were, we had tickets for the September show. Right. And uh, it was, uh, no, it was November, the November show. And, and Cliff Burton passed in September of that in year. In September. Yeah. Yeah. So I remember we were all freaking out because it was our first show. We didn't know what was going to happen. And so we were like, oh, is this going to happen? Or how are we going to get reimbursed? And, you know, it was a whole to do. And then on the, um, uh, you've heard of much music, right? Yes. Okay, that was the the Canadian uh, equivalent to mTV right well, mm-hmm. Quebec had they had their own spin-off, which was Music Plus, okay? okay So music plus they had they they kept giving us news every week. Okay, well, the tour's postponed right now, and uh, it looks like they're gonna play a little bit later. and then finally, they set a date for December, like a month later. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm so glad it, well, you know, no, that's not right to say. <laughs> I'm glad they postponed, but not because Cliff Burton died, because I would have loved to see Cliff Burton. He was my right. bass hero, because I play bass. Right. But they were supposed to come with Keel. opening. Okay. So and, and a local band. So, uh, so instead, we got Metal Church. Oh, wow. In December. And Metal Church, Metallica and Metal Church at that point were my number one and number two. Right. And depending on the day, they would swap. <laughs> okay. like some I like Metal Church more than... And Metal Church at that point was The Dark, was the first two albums. Right. So, I friggin' love those two albums. So, and then we got lucky; they added a third band, which was Sword from Montreal. Okay. And I love them too, even though they're not a thrash band; they're just a heavy metal band. Right. Mm-hmm. I, dude. So the first band I ever saw live, my very first concert, was actually Sword. When you think about it, you know. Right. And
0: then Metal Church, and then Metallica was headlining. Wow, yeah. that that's incredible because so many people talk about Jason coming in, you know, for the Injustice for All and the Monsters of Rock tour. But I hardly hear anyone talk, and that's so true what you just said. He came in after Cliff died. So he he finished the Master of Puppets tour. So he was there, although maybe it isn't as celebrated or, you know, because obviously what had just happened. So there's less footage of him floating around as part of the band, I'm sure it's there because Metallica, Metallica is one of these bands that for as much as people crap on them, I think that they've done good by the fans with a lot of different things, like allowing people to record shows, Mm -hmm. allowing people to take in, you know, video cameras when others uh, couldn't um, and so on and so forth. And even still the other day we were talking about, um, when Joey from um, Joey Jordanson passed away, mm-hmm. um, a lot of people brought up the fact that he played at Castle Donnington with Metallica, and I remember reading about it on Blabbermouth. The first thing that I did was I went to the Metallica website and I bought the um, that show because they were up until about uh, I think two years ago they were selling all of their shows online. Now, if you're if you have a membership, you can just stream them. Yeah. But you know, hearing Joey and and uh, Dave Lombardo, hearing Dave Lombardo play battery was just like beyond <laughs> ridiculous. Yeah. I vaguely remember that. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so you know, turning the the clock back, there probably is footage of Jason with them on that oh, yeah. tour. But Definitely. but you know, it's just so emblematic seeing the original four guys there with the crosses and with you know with what little. Mm-hmm show they were allotted well even though uh because they were headlining but they still weren't you know a huge arena act like you're yeah. saying they're they were playing a, a town that was smaller than your town which is yeah. what m- more known for uh, making hockey sticks than anything else <laughs> you're right
2: <laughs> you're right yeah the arena was uh, about it was the junior hockey arena there also just like in Sherbrooke right but, uh, uh there was a huge snowstorm that night we barely made it there My sister sister drove us there, and Mm -hmm. she went to my grandma's while we were at the concert. Okay. And uh, I'd say, I don't know if it was because of the snowstorm, but I'd say in the 5000 arena, there were maybe a thousand people in there. Okay. So at the most, and most of them were... In front of this stage, like, like trying to get on stage and all that. We was, I yeah. was my first concert experience. I was like, nah, nah, I'm not going on the floor. I'm sitting,
0: and <laughs> the, on the sides, I had kind of a side view. I'm like, I'm, I'm going to be good there. <laughs> right. Yeah. Cool. Um, can you remember the first band that you listened to, or the first band that was really pushed? Uh, that was remotely hard rock or metal that that you had heard maybe on the radio or saw on TV or anything like that. Uh, Kiss. Kiss, okay. Kiss is my gateway. When I was
2: in the fourth grade, so okay. I uh, yep. Yeah. So what, what happened there? The 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 way, the reason why I even heard them. So it was uh, the end of the year uh, party that my the teacher was hold was holding. It was like on the last day of school, and he told us, uh, you know, if, you know, bring snacks, whatever, and if you want to bring music we're going to play some, some of your music. You know, they had a little okay. cheap turntable in, in the class. And so some people brought music and stuff. And uh, one of the guys in my class, one of my classmates brought his brother's destroyer album. Okay. And uh, so everybody would get a turn to put, they, would, they were allowed to put two songs on. So when, okay. it, when, when it and I remember lo- looking at the cover before the, the music even played, I was like, my God, what is this? And I was like freaking out, you know, because I was into comic books. I was, I was like, what right. the heck? And I'm looking at all this, and and he and another classmate of mine, we're all looking at it, and he's pointing out, oh, look at this. This looks like a uh, like a, a goat head, and then you got this, and you got that, and then he's telling us, yeah, G. Simmons bites his his the inside of his mouth to bleed, you know. And I'm like, what? That, you know? And my mind is just blown. <laughs> and then he puts on God of Thunder when it came to his turn. I was right. like, oh my God, what is this? And I was, I was just loving it. And then he put uh, Detroit Rock City. Uh, okay. after that. And man, that, that just, then the whole summer after that, I knew nothing about Kiss. I just knew what those guys told, those two guys told me. And mm-hmm. my sister told me that my sister's seven years older than me. So right. she's, she said, she said, you wouldn't shut up that whole summer about Kiss and you knew nothing about him. <laughs> <You> would, <laughs> and I was just making it up in my head. Oh my God, this, oh my God, that. And then you know, whenever my mother would go grocery shopping, I would go with her. Right. But it wasn't like in a little mall, a, a small mall. So I right. was old enough that she would just let me go to uh, the store was called Miracle Mart, but it was basically like a Kmart or a, a mm-hmm. small Walmart, you know? Right. So she would just let me go there. And usually I would go look at toys. And so I just wander around. But then when I got into KISS, I was like, oh, let me go go the the, the record section. And then I would look at all the albums and every week seemed like there was a new one, you know, like they would Mm -hmm. sell some then new ones. Oh my God. That just fueled my imagination all summer. And then my sister finally for my birthday was in September. Okay. So I heard Kiss the first time in June Mm -hmm. of 79. And then in September, uh, that September, that's when Dynasty came out, but that's not what got me for my birthday. She got me Destroyer. Okay. So that was my very first album also was Destroyer. So yeah, it was it was quite the summer because I just wouldn't shred up about it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's that's interesting. The first the first thing that I ever remember hearing uh, rock wise was a live two. My brother had a live two and he had destroyer. So okay. both of those got played continuously. And so your brother uh, older or younger than you? He's older than me. He's six okay. years older than me. Okay. So Um, you know, I was lucky that I inherited those almost right away because by the time like the solo albums came out and dynasty came out, he was done with the band. He had lost interest in them. And it was funny because we were at a store and, you know, my mother would buy us something every week that we'd go to this store. And I remember my brother wanted a dartboard and I wanted dynasty. And they both cost around the, the same thing. And um, it it turned out that I ended up getting my way. We ended up getting Dynasty. And because my brother hated it so much, my mother felt bad that <laughs> she went back and got him the dartboard the, the week later. So, um, but uh, yeah, it was funny. We had a, I talked to him not too long ago. I said, you know, outside of I Was Made For Loving You, if you really listen to that album, it's really a a solid album all the way it's through. Great. It's yeah. a really good album. Just it's yeah. just the production is very poppy. Yes. Yeah, it's absolutely. Yeah. Um, from there though you you went um and you we've talked about music a bit in the past and I remember mm-hmm. you talking about your sister um and her musical taste kind of influencing you with some of the stuff that you got into early on. Uh with me <laughs> it was the same thing because we talk about Kiss My brother got, you know, um, this is obviously around uh, late 70s, early, yeah, around 80. Between then, he had acquired, um, I'm trying to think what was first. But, well, Live at Budokan from Cheap Trick, Back in Black by uh, ACDC, Pink Floyd's The Wall, and Ted Nugent's Scream Dream. And like those albums with those first two Kiss albums we had were like on constant rotation. I mean, mm-hmm. it was, that that was it for us. And then little by little, you know, uh, he would get into bands and, you know, he got into Led Zeppelin. So I learned Led Zeppelin and yes, and and things like that. So I was lucky um, that he was able to introduce me to all these things, but then music, he kind of fell out with music and I kind of continued with it. So now it's kind of um, – well, now it's been this way for, for you know, since the 90s where I'm turning him on to stuff all the time. Yeah. So um, your sister got you Kiss, but was she into Kiss as well?
2: No. <laughs> my sister was not into hard rock at all. Uh, my sister was into the, the, the pop scene. Right. So she was into disco when disco was big. Before Kiss, I was – I'm still a huge fan of old school disco. Right, I still listen to it. The Saturday Night Fever is one of the greatest disco albums of all time. <laughs> I'm telling you right now. So, but I still listen. I still listen to ABBA. I still listen to all all those right. bands. But she did at one point. Uh, I'm not sure when that came out, but when Styx put out Cornerstone, okay, the album that has Babe on okay. it, okay, mm-hmm. and and uh, I think Too Much Time on My Hands is also on that album, right. maybe. So uh, she she bought that, and I was like, oh, and that was, okay, first for me, from 79 until I got to high school, which was 83, mm-hmm. uh, it was KISS only. I would only listen to KISS. Right. I wouldn't listen to nothing else. My friends at that point were also into KISS. Uh, we, we, there was like three of us and we all we just listened to kiss that's it mm-hmm. and then when one of them would get a new album like one of them would get the gene simmons solo album right. so oh yeah we go i'll go to his house and listen to it and then i would get alive so they'd come and listen to it you know right. it, it was stuff like that but my sister that was there was uh sticks and then i turned her on to def leppard pyromania okay. when that came out <laughs> so but that's the, the extent of her heaviness right. you know she never got into zeppelin she never got into any of those bands acdc i think she liked back in Black, cause it, played on the radio right right you know so that she was more of a, of a follower when it
0: came to that right uh, yeah so hey, those yeah so for her big time is disco yeah th- th- that's the difference between a band going platinum to just going gold back in the old days if you really think about mm-hmm. it you know those casual yeah. fans that heard you know um it shook me all night long to go out and buy that album you know that was the difference yeah. between back in black you know, eclipsing so many of the the sales of their previous albums. Mm -hmm. um, And Jeremy uh, is chiming in from the UK. Hello, sir. Hope you are doing better this week. Uh, He says that uh, I still like disco and funk, some great songs. I think a lot of people discount the musicianship of a lot of the players, especially as a bass player. The bass held it down uh, for both styles of music.
2: Yes, if you listen to uh, Boney M, uh, the song uh, "Ma Baker," and then the other one is uh, oh, there's two did that two hits "Ma Baker," and uh, uh, oh, crap. no, no, there was another one. Oh, anyway, the Daddy bass, cool. you know, the, sometimes I, I, when Daddy I cool. get bored, I just go on YouTube. Huh? <laughs> Daddy Cool, that's the one. Then right. you know, I go on YouTube and I just watch you know bass covers, you know, and I watch people play those two songs. I'm like. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's And you're, you're working, man. You're working. You're not, you're not stopping at all. So disco for the bass. Oh, no I love okay.
0: That. So Rob, Rob Rowe is saying I play slap. So disco and funk is, is where it's at. We're inundated with bass players tonight. The ratio is three bass players, one guitarist and one <laughs> drummer tonight. If anyone else plays an instrument, uh, please, uh, please let us know. <laughs> um but uh, yeah. Okay. So um, you started going to Montreal. Um, what's the like first big show that you got to see in Montreal?
2: Okay. Okay. So let me just back up a little bit. Cause uh, when when I, when I, when I got to high right. school, like I was saying, i only listened to kiss. And then when I got there, it was a really cool school because in, in the cafeteria okay. they had like this DJ booth that was behind glass and all that they they did not have a, a radio station it was mm-hmm. just to play music in the cafeteria and uh you know they played all the hits of the time you know sharp dress man jackson beat it and that you was know, at the time they played a couple of the DJs were metalheads, okay. so they would play that's where i first heard iron maiden uh metallica uh you know really dark uh, underground bands like chateau uh, you know, out of the UK, uh, you know, and then I was like, wow, this is so friggin' good. And I, and I would, I would talk to the guys and say, hey, what was that you played like three songs ago? Oh, that was Slayer. Oh, wow. Okay. And They would play Evil Has No Boundaries, you know, in the cafeteria, at, you know, during our lunch break or during, during a recess, you know, and, right. and the teachers were fine with it, you know, as long as it wasn't too loud, they were fine with it. Right. So that's where I started to learn about the Venom. That's when I first heard about Venom. So, so to answer your question, the first big band that I saw in Montreal, okay, so I saw I saw Metallica in 86 in uh, mm-hmm. in Victoriaville. My right. next show after that was two years later in 88, and I saw Metallica on the Justice for All tour with Queensryche opening. Okay. So that was my big shot the Montreal Forum that's now closed.
0: Right. Yeah. The, now the, uh, I don't even, is it the new arena is what, the Bell Center now, or have they changed the yeah, it was the it was the Molson Center right. at first, and then the, now it's the Bell Center. Okay. Yeah. Um. What what makes Montreal so special, in your opinion, when it comes to metal? I mean, is what what's like that it factor? What makes the the fans much more accepting? Because you're saying straight up in in high school, I mean, in Quebec, it was fine. Where I'm sure where I grew up, if you were playing any of that stuff it was like oh no we got to turn this off because that's that's devil's music we can't let them listen to that stuff yeah
2: yeah 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 you know now that i think about it, something that they did not play was ozzy for some reason they did never i don't remember hearing ozzy at okay. school. so maybe they were told hey you can play your other your other devil worship music but don't play ozzy <laughs> i don't know <laughs> right i don't know but i i really don't know what it is because uh like even even sticks okay harder harder band hard rock right. band they they're from Chicago. They said the very first city where they headlined an arena and and it was like just like they were touring and that was the only arena they would right. play would be Montreal. Oh wow. You know, and they said they were big in Montreal before anywhere else. Like for Kiss it was Detroit. Detroit yeah. but for for Sticks, it was Montreal. So I don't know why it's always been like that. You go to a show in Montreal and the people are just rabid. They love it. They just, you know, mosh pits and you know you, everything. You can, you see everything there. And 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 not the hardcore dances, which I'm glad, because that's God. When I moved here into Florida, and I saw I was going to so, shows, and I saw those kids do those uh, those uh, hardcore dances where they try to punch people on purpose. Right. That turned me off. But in Montreal, they don't do that. It's just it's just a circle pit, and then people help each other out. Right. Uh, you know. And they you know, so they're just into it. I don't know why they're rabid. They know all the words. They know. I just don't know what it is. And every concert I've ever seen in Montreal, man, it was always so much fun you know even though i'm the type that kind of stands in the back right because i don't want to get into the mosh pit i just want to enjoy the show and stuff right. and not be bothered and uh you know it's, it's, it's great it's just, you know the bands are into it and they all most of them always say man you're the best crowd ever on this tour so far you know so <laughs> you're hoping they're not saying that on every stop of their tour <laughs> well you know they probably do but i feel like it's <laughs> it's sincere because usually the way they say it mm-hmm. you know you can tell that they they mean it you know
0: Again, there's a Metallica bootleg of, um, or not a bootleg, because I bought it off of their official site where they do play. Um, I think it's, I think it's Montreal. It's either Montreal or Quebec city. Mm-hmm. And they do the memory remains mm-hmm. and the Marianne faithful part where she's, you know, where she's not even saying words. It's just, I mean, her. whatever. Yeah. So and it's them just repeating that Marianne Faithful part yeah. for like five minutes after the song is done, yeah. and Lars comes out and he says, "Wow, you know, no one has ever done that before. You know, you guys are are one of the best cities." So, dude, and, I have goosebumps while you're telling me this. <laughs> yeah, I I do too as well, actually. Because so, it's one of those things where where you listen to it and you feel the energy of the crowd, and and you yeah. could, I mean, you want to think that what he's saying is. Is very sincere again. For all the shit that Lars gets, I think when he says stuff like that, he he really means it. Um I wouldn't be surprised if that's a Quebec City show because
2: they're huge. They're big in Montreal, but they're even bigger in Quebec City for some reason. Yeah, uh, I've seen one. I've seen them one time in Quebec City, and man, it, it, the crowd was just even better than than Montreal. Just for that. one oh, wow! That. So in general, Quebec City is a little bit more subdued, but for Metallica, they 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 lose their minds. <laughs> yeah, it's true.
0: Yeah that that's interesting. I mean that's that's cool to be able to go to different different parts of the the same province and mm-hmm. and you know really in in Tim Henderson's case I mean he's seen shows all over the world so yeah. to you know be able to say hey you know this is this is the epicenter um but I mean for for the most part I'm sure that and I mean I've have i been to quebec i've never been to quebec i've been to ontario and that's my extent of being in canada okay. um, but i mean they've always said you know quebec's different because it's got yeah. more of a european influence it's got yeah. you know obviously the the french uh influence um just add something different to what the uh, english influence
2: and, you, and 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 it might be the the the, the french roots because I you know a lot of people you know say that the French are very passionate, you know about mm-hmm. about what they love, you know, so it could be deep deeply rooted from there, you know, could be for, for all I know,
0: yeah, could be um, what do you think is your most memorable show that you've seen up there oh up there, mm-hmm. the one that I enjoyed the most or like the 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 biggest spectacle,
2: either or or if you want to share okay. both, that's cool, okay, so there's two of them that really pop, popped, in, popped popped up right away. Uh, when Kiss did the reunion tour okay. in 96, I bought my ticket to go see them in Montreal. Mm-hmm. And that's all they were doing in Quebec at that point. They were only had, uh, yeah, in Quebec, in the province, they were only doing Montreal.
0: Mm-hmm. And
2: then, you know, I, I, I got my tickets. And those were in the days where you had to go stand in line at the ticket counter, right. you know. So uh, I got my ticket. And then they announced they were doing Quebec City the night before. Okay, and I already had my tickets for Montreal. I'm like, oh crap! And we had organized their little group, and we were going like five of us were going, and I'm like, oh crap! I want to go to Quebec City also. You know, what? I, I don't know how long they're going to go tour with the original band. You know, if I get right. the opportunity to see them twice with Peter and Ace, I gotta go. So, my mother, God bless her, she's so awesome. She, I, I I had to work and I couldn't take time off. I said, Mom, do can you go and stand in line and go get me tickets? I'll give you cash. She's like. Yeah. Okay. I'll do it. You know? So I'm like, all right. So I gave her the money. And the funniest thing is, so she had to go to that little arena. I was telling you the 5,000 seater where, uh, right. you know, the barely any cost. That's where she had to go buy the tickets. That was the the the, the closest ticketron. We had ticketron. Right. It's a ticket master at the time. So she, she goes there and she's like, first in line. Okay. But then <laughs> she's like, what's going on? The, the, the arena was full, was full. And then she's like, Oh my God, it was a Jehovah's witness. Uh, thing that was going on so she's like i'm there and she's, she was laughing to herself she's like i'm there with surrounded by jehovah's witnesses and you know they're doing baptisms they're doing everything you know right and she's like and i'm here to buy fucking metallica tickets <laughs> you know <laughs> and she thought the irony was you know and i was like, oh Mom, i'm so sorry if i had known i would have somehow taken time she said no no it was funny because i was watching the people just you know it, it was just funny <laughs> so- right so yeah so uh no i'm sorry not metallica tickets we getting kiss tickets, kiss tickets and kiss, yeah, tickets, yeah. yeah I'm, I'm sorry i mixed my stories but yeah and then you know because she know, you know how gene is like the demon and all that you know yeah. so so she thought it was ironic that that's where she was buying the tickets you know she still talks about it once in a while <laughs> <laughs> so cool so so that yeah, was, so, so, so quebec city okay because i saw quebec city first and dude, I, I was I went there with one friend. There was only one friend in, in the group that wanted to go and see both shows. So we went right. and we got there and uh, I swear to God, they well, they started with Deuce. They started that tour mm-hmm. with Deuce. And you know, the part where they do the choreography at the yeah. end of the song, dude, I swear I almost cried because <laughs> I was like, this this was my first was my second time seeing KISS, but the first time with these guys. Right. And I turned to my friend after the song was over, I, I turned to, his name was Bruno. I said, Bruno, I can just go home now. I'm happy, I, 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 but I'm not going to go, but I'm going to, you know, I, I could die right now and I'd be, I'd be content, you know? And he's like, right. oh yeah, me too. And then we just, you know, and then the very next night was Montreal. So we had, we drove back to Sherbrooke. It was a three hour drive, went back to Sherbrooke. And then the next day we did the hour and a half drive back to Montreal with the rest <laughs> of the gang, And then we saw, we saw that show. So those, that was the most memorable, like, like, spectacle and 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 how i felt but for a show that i that i just love the performance and and the crowd reaction and just like in an intimate setting uh, was cradle of filth uh it was on the Midian tour in 2000 they played at the metropolis in montreal which is which is a very large club Mm -hmm. Uh, so about 1500 and uh man they, they killed that i have a bootleg recording of it on cd that i still listen to once in a while (laughs) <laughs> and, um, uh, man, that, that show was Midian is one of my all time favorite albums
0: mm-hmm. and,
2: and just that show was just top notch from top to bottom. So,
0: uh, let's see, JWs are huge Metallica fans. Oh, Jehovah's Witness are huge Metallica <laughs> fans. That's what the prophet says. Uh, you'd think they would really be into Watchtower. <laughs> yeah. Um, when when did you um move down to uh Florida
2: well okay so I lived in in Quebec and sherbrooke uh mm-hmm. until nineteen ninety nine okay uh, well I met my wife uh my my wife to be uh she lived in Vermont, so mm-hmm. I moved to Vermont in ninety nine and was there for about three years and then in two thousand and two we moved down here to Florida I and mean, we've been here in in the orlando area uh, ever since
0: right okay so Immediately, what differences did you notice from the U.S. crowds as opposed to the um, Canadian crowds? You mentioned right away the moshing versus the slam dancing. Yeah, um,
2: the hardcore dance or whatever they call it. Yeah. In that. yeah.
0: What other differences did you notice? So there was that, and the crowd was not as
2: vigorous as as I was used to. You know, okay. people would just stand there and barely react to songs, you know. So that, that was the biggest, I was like, Oh man, the, 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 crowds are tame here. There's no nothing except for the occasional, you know, smaller shows. I saw at, at small clubs, you know, that, that the, the, the people were, were rabid and those were far and few between, you know, it right. was the, the crowd is a lot more, but that just may just be Orlando. I, I don't know. Orlando, I, you know, it's more of a tourist town. So, right. I don't know. But
0: yeah, that's what I noticed
2: that the, the crowds were kind of quiet.
0: Okay. Um, you you mentioned seeing Kiss and Cradle of Filth uh, up there in Montreal. What do you feel is the biggest shows that you've seen down there in Florida, or the ones that have made like the most impression on you? Okay,
2: so well, I saw Kiss here also in Orlando <laughs> okay. uh, with Tommy Thayer and Eric Singer, and that was like visually that was beautiful. It was just they um, they were you know when arena football was a thing and right. uh, Orlando uh, had a team and and right. the LA Kiss. They came, they came and played that. That was the, uh, the all-star game okay. and just played the night before in the arena here. And that's when they announced the earlier that they, they announced the LA kiss. So I was, that I was at the show that night. Oh wow! Um, so that, that was, that was amazing. That was one of the bigger shows, but the ones that really made an impression on me, uh, when, f- when I was with radioactive metal, I got to go three years to, uh, the rockstar mayhem tours in okay. Tampa. So I and I got to take pictures in the pit and all that. And those are my best experiences concert-wise, even though it was hot as hell, you know, during the day, because you're it's so humid and, and you know, you're in the sun and stuff. But I was taking pictures of all these great bands, Anthrax, Slayer, Motorhead, uh, Amon Yeah, uh, uh, God, name them. I took pictures of them, you know, and I was doing interviews and stuff. So that's just the whole thing. But that was you know, because of the podcast, you know, I was able to, right get that kind of experience where i i'll never forget the those those three shows you know it, it, it was
0: amazing okay i want to say hello to uh newton Targaryen, who who's joined us i don't know if he's a relative of the uh of uh, of the breaker of chains and mother of dragons based on that name <laughs> but uh um so let's jump on into your time with radioactive metal mm. um cuz you were you know uh, part of a podcast that still exists now um, for quite some time. Um, The show by the time, and I don't remember the history off the top of my head, were you part of the original foundation of that show or did you, did you join the show after it already started? I
2: joined the show after it started. Uh, That was, it started with Snowy and Dario. Okay. Dario Psycho. And mm-hmm. uh, they started together. And then uh, I, I was his listener and I emailed them a few times. And then I was doing a podcast just for fun about Captain America because I, I, okay. I'm a huge comic book collector. Right. And uh, so so uh, Dario suggested to Snowy that, you know, to have me on just because I had my own podcast and I knew metal and stuff. So he's like, okay. So I came on. And then I started being on there regularly almost every week. And then at mm-hmm. one point, Dario was like, Hey, you know how they do this stuff. You know, I, I'm tired of doing podcasts. So he said, uh, I said, would you, would you take my place and just take over the editing and all that? And I'm like, "If Snowy's okay with it. Yeah, sure. And yeah. And it worked out. And so I was there for eight years.
0: Okay. Uh, yeah. I did that till 2018. So. Right. Um, when you stop being part of the show, I know that you would, kind of ramp things up from a work perspective, but was there like any burnout on your end too where you're, you just needed to step away from podcasting?
2: Yeah, yeah, because it was taking a lot, a lot of time. You know how it is, the editing, yeah. the, you know, trying to book interviews, doing interviews, going to shows. You know, I was doing pictures on top of that and then editing my pictures and, mm-hmm. you know, because I would take 1,500 pictures in one night, you know, and then I had to go through them and that that was several hours. And, right, so you know, so, and then, you know, what burned me, I got burned a couple of times on interviews towards right. the end. And I just... You know, and, you know, you get and you know how it is. And your email is probably inundated with with uh, 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 samples and and, uh, not samples, but promos. Promos, Yes. Yeah. My God, we get like in a week, we get hundreds of them. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I I just got, oh, my God, this is too much. And work was ramping up a lot. So I I told Snowy, I said, listen, I, I can't do this anymore. I just my heart wasn't in it anymore. You know, right. And uh, so, yeah. So what do you want? You want to know who burned me on interviews? (laughs) Yeah, sure. So I was supposed to talk to Nita Strauss. Okay. Wow. And I had everything set up with uh, with her boyfriend, you know, the the drummer. Right. And, you know, I have my questions ready and all that literally a couple of hours before I'm going down there and I, I took a few hours off of work and stuff. He emails me and says, hey, sorry, but uh, it, it won't happen. She, uh, she's not doing interviews tonight. And it was towards the end of the tour. Wow. And at the time, she had just started doing stuff for WWE.
0: Mm-hmm. We
2: would see her on, on NXT and, and we saw her at WrestleMania or something. Right. So, And the Performance Center, for those people who don't know, WWE has a, has a training center here in Orlando. Mm-hmm. And I heard a few days later that she was at the Performance Center. They had invited her to go check it out. So that's why she blew me off <laughs> for an interview.
0: Right. Instead of
2: saying, oh, yeah, we'll do it later, whatever. Right, right, and, right. Then the, and then the other time, and I don't hold a grudge for this one. Nita Strauss, I kind of hold a grudge for it because I felt, okay, yeah, you had the, the the pretty girl invited you instead of the, you know. The, right,
0: right. The, right. the, 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 the punk. There, know, there are other ways of going about saying, hey, you know, something came up. Can we do this? Yeah. You know, like yeah. you and said was, later on. on. You know,
2: I wasn't yeah. even offered to do it at another time, Yeah. Right. So, so that 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 pissed me off. And then the uh, the the other one was Nile. I was supposed to call talk to Carl Sanders. Okay. I had already talked to him once. Great interview, super nice guy. I don't blame him at all for this. But uh, when I got there, they um, he had to go. The, some equipment had broken, mm-hmm. so he and his guitar tech had gone somewhere to go try and find repli- uh, replacement parts and stuff. So he never made it back on time. So that that I can't hold a grudge for that, you know, right? So, so, but then I was like, okay. And this, it seemed like it was happening more and more. I was having a hard time booking interviews and stuff. And I was like, okay, I'm, I'm just done. Yeah. That's, that's, that's what broke me. <laughs> this was those two yeah. interviews.
0: Well, since I started doing the live stream, which I kind of ramped up earlier this year, um, I've had that happen once a few weeks back. Mm-hmm. And this is public knowledge because, you know, I, I put up, you know, this uh, the same way that I put a, a graphic up saying that you were coming on. I I had put a graphic up saying that uh, uh, Ken Mary, who is the drummer of Flotsam and Jetsam now, was, was coming on the show. And after I put everything up, I get an email from his publicist saying, oh, he just realized he's traveling that day. I'm like, ah, it's going to be a nightmare to take everything down because... Uh, you know when I when I set the graphic up and and set the event up, it copies everything to fourteen different um, social media platforms. Oh wow! Okay, yeah, yeah. So it's a real chore to take everything down and then reschedule. And actually, within the last like three weeks, they've changed the system so that I can now do it from one central location, which is oh, cool. Good. good. But previous to that, you know, it was like. Fuck it. I'm just the, the next one. I'm just going to schedule at the same time because it's just going to take me too long to take everything yeah. down and reword everything. Yeah. So they tell me, well, Michael Gilbert, the guitarist is available. Oh, okay, cool. Same as you. I've researched all the questions. Uh, it coincides that when I started doing college radio, Flotsam had a a big album that was pushed to the moon and back uh, called Quattro. Yep. And, um, and I was like, cool. So I'll ask him instead of asking him about Jason Newstead, I'm going to ask him about Quattro and mm. the fact that, for example, Chris Cornell wrote a song with them on that album, Okay, uh, which I'm sure not a lot of people ask. So I'm, I'm really getting amped up for the interview and I'm waiting and waiting and waiting. And I just spent an hour doing this by myself and talking to people in the chat and like looking up the, 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 that day's happenings. And it, it, it stinks, you know, even for me, 12 years into this, I still get people that either flake out or I get, you know, um, uh, well, unfortunately, um, well, here's, here's something that, that that I had recently. I asked the host of another show to come on Mm -hmm. and talk and her response was, how many Twitch followers do you have? I'm like, excuse me? She's yeah. like, well, if you don't have enough Twitch followers, I'm not going to do your show. I'm like, um, okay, well, um, not for nothing, but go scratch. You know, if, if that's the, if, if your whole thing is, oh, well, you're not big enough or you're not this yeah. or whatever, then I'm sorry. You know, not, yeah. then obviously my show isn't for you. So yeah. um so 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 that's it. Um when did you start getting into you know um it, more extreme metal like death metal and uh and black metal and stuff like that? Because you mentioned cradle before. Um yeah. and, and obviously being in Florida, Tampa's more or less the epicenter of death metal, you know, for as much as people want to say no, it was It was Gothenburg, uh, Sweden. Well, before the Gothenburg sound, it was Morrison sound in Tampa. Yeah. yeah, yeah,
2: And and they're two different sounds completely. uh, See, for me, okay, so I was into more of like the the hair bands for quite a while. Right. And, you know, when when grunge started really taking off, I was like, oh, I, I really did not like any of the grunge stuff going on. Right. I, I barely like the smells like teen spirit, barely. You right. know? And then the rest, I heard a little bit of it like, nah, this is not for me. And at the time, one of my close friends, who I'm still friends with right now, these days, he, he still lives up there. He was really heavy into death metal. Okay. And, and every time we were in his car, he'd say, he'd say, I'm going to make you like it. I'm going to make you like death metal. <laughs> and I was like, oh, come on. Yeah. I was like, oh. Then he would put a song. But it was always like, this seems like it to me like it was always the same three songs you would put on. Okay. And then and then I became a fan of those songs. And then I was like, okay, well, I like this, so let me go buy the album. And then like, so the three songs. First one was Martyr by Fear Factory. Okay. Off the first uh, album. Right. Yeah, off of, uh, that's, that's one of my all time favorites. Pull the Plug by Death. Okay. And then Incarnate Solvent Abuse by Carcass. Okay. Those were the three songs that it seems like it was always those songs he kept playing. <laughs> and I, I just became a fan. So I remember buying a carcass carcass, I think was the first one that I bought. Okay. And I was like, wow. And, you know, and then I really liked it because yeah, there was, there was the, the low growls. I wasn't a super big fan of, but I liked Jeff Walker's higher pitched screams, you know? Okay. So I was like, okay. So that got into carcass. And then I, then I got used to the low growls and I went and got fear factory. And then I got Death. Death took me quite a while to get, though. It, it, okay. It wasn't until uh, oh, uh, the album after Human, uh, uh, Individual Thought Patterns. That's the one okay. that I got into. So then I, I started going back. But yeah, so it was it was early '90s, like maybe '92, '93, that I got into the extreme metal, and then. I liked it so much that I just went deep underground. That's when I got into Cradle of Filth and I got into, I got into Nightwish also, which is totally different, but they were <laughs> right. underground at the time. They only had the first two albums, Oceanborn. And uh, I can't remember the name of the Angels Fall First that I was like, wow. And it was so different, you know, that I got into that too, very heavily. So, uh, so yeah, so early nineties and then I just went deeper and deeper and then I would not listen to any grunge. Uh, Slipknot. I, to me, I considered I, I know, and I know I'm totally wrong—but to me, Slipknot, I considered to be a grunge band, even though they had nothing to do with grunge. <laughs> I just did not want because they were too mainstream for me. Anything right. that was mainstream, I would not listen to at all. I just stuck to my my underground stuff.
0: Yeah, it's funny be, that that you mentioned that because again, one one of the things that um, that I saw somebody say was that uh, Joey Jordanson was kind of responsible for bringing in a lot of like death metal playing into more like mainstream <laughs> yeah. metal. Yeah, um, I, I can see that. Yeah. It's funny because for me, similar kind of thing where for me up until, up until uh metal health by quiet riot for me, it was kiss all day, all the time. Mm-hmm. Um And then I, you know, navigated towards a lot of the, you know, um, the hard rock, the glam bands that came out in the eighties. But the thing was for me, my neighbor through wrestling um, WrestleMania three, Alice Cooper came out with uh, Jake, the snake. And he says um, he said something to the extent of uh, Jake's DDT is going to is gonna be uh, more impactful than a Megadeth or an Anthrax concert or something along those lines. Okay, okay. And we were like, "Wait, Anthrax, Megadeth, what's that?" <laughs> and and my neighbor went out and he got Peace Cells uh-huh. and he got State of Euphoria. Okay. So that was like my gateway into thrash, and that uh-huh. you know after that I I took off with. I still liked the other stuff, but you know I still I was. One of the people that I was going to school with that could listen to both and and didn't, you know, oh, you're a poser, you're this, you're that, you know, because I heard that as well. Well, if you still listen to KISS, you're a poser. I'm like, I'll listen to whatever I want. I don't need yeah. to buy, buy anybody's rules. But, but, but then the people who were, who were into KISS and Aerosmith,
2: when they heard uh, Anthrax and Megadeth, they were like, well, that's just noise.
0: Yeah, right, right. Yeah. So, yeah. so, yeah, similar situation for me. The first time, I mean, I when I got to college radio, um, the outgoing metal director, his favorite band was Cannibal Corpse, oh, and yeah. I remember him giving me this whole lecture on, well, if you like Queen, then you're not truly a metalhead. I'm like, the hell does that have to do with anything? Yeah. I can like. You know the the analogy that I use all the time now. I can like hamburgers and spaghetti. I don't have to choose one or the other. You know, yeah, I see, I can like both. Doesn't mean that, you know, I don't like one a little more than the other. You yeah. know, the the thing is, is
2: that that's an elitist uh, point of view. You know, right. that's a guy who's just like purist, elitist. Uh, like uh, like Snowy likes to say on Radioactive Middle, he's true and he's cult. You right. know, It's like, you know, but you know, the the older I get. And I'm listening to these interviews with some of these rock stars or, you know, the guys that we we used to worship when we were growing up. And they talk to say, oh, yeah, I love Thin Lizzy. I love sticks. Right? I love, you know, Henry Rollins. Sometimes some of the stuff he brings, I'm like, I can't believe he likes that stuff. Right. But it makes sense that he because of the type of music he wound up doing, which was really kind of weird, hard rock, you know, mm-hmm. indie stuff. It makes sense because you hear a little bit of all that stuff in there. you know? Right. So.
0: Yeah, no, I I definitely agree with you. It's, it's funny because I've had a lot of conversations with true and elitist metal fans here in Spain mm-hmm. who are big, you know, uh, black metal or big death metal fans. Mm-hmm. And they'll say, well, you know, um, band that I can't stand that gets too much credit is Kiss. I'm like, um, you're wearing a Celtic Frost T-shirt. Uh, do you know that Thomas Gabriel's favorite band is kiss? And that's why he plays a, an <laughs> Ibanez ice man because of that. No, that does, that has nothing to do with kiss. I'm like, he wears kiss t-shirts all the times so when, when he's not <laughs> up on stage, why they're paying him to wear the t-shirt. Come on. So it's, it's just ridiculous. And we talked about this last week. I had Brad who's in the chat on and, um, and I was talking about Mastodon, how a lot of people have said, oh, you know, I want them to go back to what it was like with the first few releases. But the band has said, hey, we grew up listening to Thin Lizzy, Kiss, ACDC, Led Zeppelin. So the older we get, the more we're going to gravitate towards those sounds. Exactly. So um, with um, with music now, you've, you've, actually said that you haven't kept up with a lot of stuff since leaving the podcast. Um, I mean, it's, it's hard. Like you said, you know, you're, you're used to getting all of this stuff and there is so much out there. I I mean um, within most of the people that are in the chat are in my Patreon group as well. And I mean, I'm posting anywhere between two to sometimes eight videos a day from just stuff that's sent to me. Wow. Um, and I mean, at, at the end of the day, some of the stuff I like, some of the stuff I don't like, some of the stuff, for example, I posted a, um, Jeff Scott Soto video the other day, and I'm not a fan of his voice. Um, I like his voice on the first Inve album, uh, mm-hmm. but I don't like a lot of what he does now, a lot of the, uh, AOR music. Mm-hmm. Um, but I know that there are people. That enjoy that stuff. So I still post it. And there's some, like I said, there's some stuff that I post that I don't like. There's other stuff that I absolutely love. And then I know that others don't like. So I just throw it out there to see. Uh, There's just so much going on. I, I mean, to me, I almost prefer someone saying what you, you know, that saying, Hey, you know, I stopped because it was just too much as opposed to you run into people that with their arms folded, nothing good ever came out after 89, but you know, you found something that interests you after that time period, you know, there was other music that became popular, but you went a little more underground and a little, you know, more extreme with that stuff. Um, To me, I mean, the first time that, extreme like guttural vocals made sense to me was testament after the ritual um mm-hmm. they put out the album low yep. and billy started incorporating guttural vocals and with each album he progressively added yeah. them more Demonic they is. kind of like reformed that classic lineup where yeah. he still does it now but not as much as he did during that 90s time period where yeah. it was it was funny because testament to me you know, a lot of people will say, well, 90s metal suck. But to me, Testament was kind of the litmus test because they got progressively heavier, but mm-hmm. still put out interesting music, at least to me. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I followed Testament for years and years and years, even after their their heyday. Uh, yeah. I yeah, especially when they put out the low and uh, it was Demonic. Was it Demonic the next one after that? Um, where he really, really went like guttural. Right. There's one album where he's very, very I think it's Demonic. So, uh, yeah, and I remember interviewing Chuck Billy and, uh, and I, I hadn't even thought about it because I had listened to the album so much. It didn't right. even dawn on I me. Mean, it was almost like a, a death metal album. It's just that the voice was, but not the music. So right. I was interviewing him. I said, hey, would you, would you ever do a project with a death metal band? And he goes, well, I've already done that. I'm like, really? He says, well, yeah. And he says, demonic. It's like, I sing, I sing death metal vocals, the whole thing. And I was like, oh, yeah, you're right. It's just that the music is not like blast beats and, and you know, not right. what you're used to hearing. But the vocals are. So you know, I felt like kind of like a fool there. like, oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> One of those uh, times, you're
0: like, don't. <laughs> yeah. It's low demonic in the gathering. Or the the three that yeah. they released, yeah,
2: yeah, and demonic is the one he was refer referring to, yeah,
0: yeah. Well, that's uh, getting back to Flotsam. Back in the uh, college radio days, we we split the um, the interviews, the metal interviews. Uh, Chris, who does Galaxy of Geeks with me, mm-hmm. was the uh, he was the one that took over as metal director, and I was his assistant. So yeah. the internet didn't exist back then, and he was going to interview. Um, the drummer of uh, of Flotsam, uh, Kelly, I forget his last name. Yeah. But um, there were two questions that kind of pissed him off because we were like, oh, thrash band. Oh, they must be, you know, they must be uh, from the uh, San Francisco Bay Area somehow, you know. Oh, okay. And obviously <laughs> they're from Arizona. Yeah. And, you know, being... 18 and 19 years old and not, you know, not having the information you have today, he kind of flew off the handle with that. Like, we're not from San Francisco. We're from Arizona or whatever. He, yeah. And and then after that, he asked him about um, uh, what his take was about having to replace two bass players that went on to uh, to bigger bands. And he, he said something to the extent of, well, we applaud Jason Newstead because he's still a brother of ours, but Troy Gregory didn't leave uh, Flotsam and Jetsam prongs in a bigger band than than Flotsam, and you know he went off on prong, and he went off on Troy Gregory and all this stuff, and like the the interview was like very abrupt, and he was like very like snooty no. after that. So yeah,
2: that, that sucks
0: when that happens. Yeah, but l- like I said, no internet back then. What what, what did we get? Information once every. Like w- once a month, and it was already like three or four months old. So yeah,
2: yeah. If you happen to have a magazine that has the and an article with them, and they happen to talk where they're from, you know, it's like right. How am I, how am I supposed to know? You know. Right. Yeah. Unless social media. Press kit. Yeah. Unless they send you a press kit. Yeah. You know? Right.
0: Yeah. You know, they they sent uh, they would send flyers, but it was. Play uh, Never to Reveal by uh, Flotsam and Jetsam and get it up on the charts. That was it. That was the extent of what they yeah. would send us. It was just stuff to pump up the music and, yeah. and do that sort of thing. Yes. Yeah. So um, you've been heavily involved in um, graphic design stuff as well over the years. Mm-hmm. Um, well, you mentioned obviously a Captain America podcast and you mentioned your interest in comics um, did seeing Destroyer, do you think that that helped amp things up for you? You mean what? Uh, the graphic design side of things, did that kind of fuel your interest more in, you know, getting into maybe that side of things as you got older? Well, I come from an artistic family. My mom paints. Okay. Well,
1: okay. She doesn't
2: paint anymore, but she painted for years. Right. My uncles also, you know, they and and I always had an interest in art in general, you know. Okay. And then you know when I was in high school and trying to figure out what I wanted to do, I really loved art classes and stuff like that. So, uh, you know, and then I was like, well, how can I have a career in art? <laughs> I was like, I'm not <laughs> gonna be a professional painter, you know. I was like, right. You know? So it was like, then I researching it and then talking with a guidance counselor and said, oh, well, there's graphic design and stuff. So I was like, okay, well, I, I'm like, i will going to try my hand at that. And then I, I got in and, and I've, that's been my career, my, my whole life. You know, I never, I never got out of, of it, you know, and I used that when I was doing radi- radioactive metal, I was doing all the episode show cards and right. all the social media and the, 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 Facebook page. And at one point I was, I was the one running the, the web page, and that was cool because I got to learn how to use uh WordPress and mm-hmm. stuff like that. So, so yeah, so I, I don't think it was a, a band. I mean, even back then, I could tell you if it was a bad cover or not. <laughs> you know, I looked at an album, cover, I was like, oh, shit, that one sucks. <laughs> so, right. You know, but then I saw some stuff like I, I distinctively remember, you know, when I was a little kid going to that the store, Miracle Mart, and looking at the albums. And I remember seeing the, uh, was it Queen uh, Hot Space? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, wow, this is cool. And it's just colors, you know, it's just like faces and right. colors. I was like, Wow, this is a really cool cover, you know. And I and I was like, what? Eight eight years old, seven years old, you know? Right. Uh, no, I was nine years old. Yeah, you know, I was nine when I discovered. So I was like nine years old, you know. So I'm like, so I don't know. I've always had an interest in in art, and and that's a topic we often talked about on Radioactive Metal when mm-hmm. we talked about a band. You know, we we'd do like a spotlight episode on a band, so mm-hmm. we would pick our favorite songs and we would talk. And if we did interviews with them, we would talk about the interviews. And then there was always the artwork section of the episode which you know so rock what do you think of the covers Which is your favorite so then i would just go off on rants on, on the covers you know. so but yeah it's just it's always been a thing it's i've always been interested in art you know so makes sense okay
0: yeah um what do you work with uh the most illustrator now or or what's
2: uh it's a mix of illustrator and indesign okay indesign is more for page layout yeah yeah, yeah. And I worked. I worked for many years when I was doing it. For a while, I was doing uh, textbooks layouts, mm-hmm. and now, now I'm in the the, the trade show uh, world. So right. I use a lot of uh, a lot of both. Uh, very rarely do I use Photoshop. So my my Photoshop chops are very very limited now. I haven't kept up with it as much as I should. So, but right. yeah, Illustrator is a big big part of it. Yeah.
0: I I know the feeling because I I have a theoretically i have a certificate in uh in graphic uh design Mm -hmm. and during the course that i took you know we had to learn everything that adobe was you know had available back then and i had to learn InDesign and illustrator and photoshop i out of all those i use photoshop the most but i mean i use audition and premiere quite a bit now as well okay yeah been spending hours with Premiere yesterday and today. So uh, <laughs>
2: I used to use uh, our first website was with PageMill, Adobe PageMill. Okay. And that was rough. <laughs> that yeah. was rough. Oh my god, it was awful.
0: <laughs> yeah, things things have come a long way. Even their Dreamweaver is uh, they've had it for years, but it's just so heavy and cumbersome. It just yeah doesn't work. But
2: I was just so happy to learn WordPress. I was like, oh, this is a godsend. This is so yeah. so
0: easy. <laughs> yep. Um, I think I I think our extent of InDesign was like three days out of class because we were running out of time. Yeah. And it was like, okay, well, this is how you and and what I did in class actually was I set up a brochure um using InDesign. And what I'd done was I'd taken a picture of Charlie Benante um mm-hmm. and then did like some duotone. It was a black background with like duotone circles. So it kind of, I kind of made it look like a comic book, like comic book ink behind him. Yeah, And I did like, I was going to do a whole thing with uh, listing out all his album, all the anthrax albums and all this. And I was Mm -hmm. like, wow, I'm going to do this for, because this is around the time I started podcasting. Like, wow, I'm going to do this for all my guests. Yeah, And then well, I ended up, you know, <laughs> it took me forever. I'm like, well, a cool example, but, uh, you yeah, know, yeah, I don't, yeah, I yeah. Mean, when you start, you know,
2: unless you do it a lot, it, right. it's just, it takes a while. You know, it, if you're used to it you can whip them out fast, you know, like right. like my, all the show cards I was doing for every episode, the first few took me a while, but after a while I got a method. It's like, boom, boom, boom. Okay. Then yeah. I do this, 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 and then, okay, this looks <laughs> good. Oh, let's move the picture a little bit or not. And, you know, yeah, but, uh, yeah, in design, I'm, uh, in the company I work for, and we're an international company, but for on the East Coast here, uh, if anybody has an InDesign question, they come to me. <laughs> oh, wow. I know it inside out. So, yeah. Oh, wow. Because cool. of all my years in doing textbooks, you know, it was all heavy
0: text. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah.
2: You know, so,
0: yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Um, have you ever had the um, itch to podcast again?
2: uh not really and actually uh, we we were talking about radioactive metal uh right. it, it's either released today or it's about to episode 666 okay and uh they asked me to come and record with them because oh, wow. they we will put the band back together for one episode and uh <laughs> you know because uh, i remember when i think when we turned uh, to 500 uh, around that time, we were talking. Say, hey, we need to think about something for six six six. You know, it's far, but you know. And it, and then I saw them saying, hey, we're recording episode six six six. Give us ideas for songs. You know, I was like, well, shit, I want to be on there. <laughs> we talked about it so much back in the day, so right. uh, recorded with with them. And you know, it was fun. It was great. It was a lot of reminiscing, but I don't really miss it. You know, I I once in a while I record a, a, a French Canadian wrestling podcast. Right, with some guys up in Montreal. So I do, I I do that once in a while, but that's like once every three, four months, you know, for one episode when they want to talk about NXT. So uh, yeah, so that's pretty much it. Oh, and the Snowy also has a wrestling podcast on the side, wrestling Wrestling Night in Canada, and he wants me to come on there to talk about NXT, you know, and all that stuff. So that's the extent of my podcasting these days. You know, people invite me, and I, as long as I don't have to hit record myself,
0: I'm right. (laughs) You know, I, I don't
2: miss I don't miss the work. I really don't.
0: Yeah. Well, I want to thank you for coming on and sharing some stories with us tonight. Before we go, I know this has been going on for a while, but okay. can I show you some of
2: my old vinyls? Absolutely. Fans that you've probably never heard of that are very influential for me to no, uh,
0: no problem at all. I post uh I posted a video before in Patreon, which was I do an album of the week. Okay. And, okay. Um, and I posted actually it was uh, Anthrax's "You've Come for Your Wall" was what I selected this week. So, but gotcha. go Ahead. So, uh, so
2: when I was growing up, when I was a teenager, uh, the albums in Canada that we would get, they were all on a label called Bonsai. Okay. Bonsai Records, and if you've ever listened to Radioactive Metal, me and Snowy would talk about it a lot because we both bought. Bonsai records. Right. Metallica, the first two were on there. Slayer, the first okay. two were on there. Venom, you know, so all that stuff. So uh, I still have some of my original Bonsai uh, records. This is uh, my uh, Kill em All. Oh, wow. Okay. And in the back, at the bottom, let's see. I, oh, it's a little dark. But I, don't, whoop, I don't know if you can see. It says Bonsai Records right there. It. I just see the glare. Yeah, I'm sorry. Anyway, uh, so these are very hard to find. They're Canadian pressings, you know. Right. So I still have that. But really what I wanted to show you, uh, I talked about Chateau briefly earlier. Okay. They're a, they're a British band from the new wave of British heavy metal. Okay. And this album, Firepower, mm-hmm. excellent. If you can get your hands on that and listen to that, it is amazing. Amazing! They uh, the 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 guys at the uh, at that school at at my high school that played music during recess. They played. There's two songs on here that they played all the time, and that's what had me buy this album. I okay. had to pay, you know, back in '80. Uh, we're talking '85, '86. Uh, you can only get it as an import, and I paid sixty dollars for this <laughs> in '86. <86. laughs> so right. today would be over a hundred bucks, you know. Right. So and then the the other one, the last one I wanted to show you. This was a local band that uh, sang in English. They were from Magog, Quebec, which is really near Sherbrooke. And they put out this five-song EP. It's a band called DDT. Okay. Okay. And the album's called Let the Screw. And then you turn <laughs> around, and it says turn you on, let the screw turn you on. So basically, you know, you can kind of see what's going on here, you know? Yeah. And, 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 so, okay. <laughs> but this man was a local band and they were so good. They played a lot at the rock palace, that club I told you about. Okay. And uh, they only did like 500 copies of this, of this vinyl. And I still have it. It's an EP, a so five song EP. And uh, a few years ago, some company, I guess, bought the rights and they put out a CD of it. a reissue CD. Okay. That has, like, an extra 20-something songs on it. <laughs> oh, wow. So, so it's all demos and live tracks and all that. But this band, if you ever get the chance, look them up. They're called DDT out of Canada. And it's amazing stuff. There are five songs. The five-song EP, so very influential to me. It's, it's it's It really steered me to going into metal a lot. Because uh, one of my friends told me about it in high school. Because his brother was friends with the drummer. Okay. So then word of mouth. And then my friend got it and he's like, oh, you, you got to buy it. And he brought it into school one day and I was looking at it. It's like, okay, okay. So then I went to my local independent store and they had a, a couple copies left and I bought it. And like I said, there's only like 500 copies of this in the world. Mm-hmm. So, and I still have mine, you know, from, from back in the, back in eighties something. So
0: very cool. So, what does
2: DDT well, stand for when it comes well, to the band? It, it's it's uh, the actual you know. DDT is actually poison. It's poison. Right, 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 yeah. And that, that's that's it's it's not a uh, acronym for anything. It's
0: DDT. It's 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 DDT. It's Agent Orange, basically. Yeah, 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 yeah. Basically, so yeah. <laughs> <laughs> gotcha. Cool. Yeah, we we have to talk about uh, Canadian bands in the future. Oh so. yeah, Anvil and all those guys. Absolutely. <laughs> oh, so, awesome. Again, I want to thank you for spending the. Uh, last hour plus with me here and and everyone who joins me every week in in the chat here uh always fun to catch up with you and um yeah, and you know different than we usually talk uh via uh you know <laughs> Facebook messenger and it's usually uh, yeah, again we talk about wrestling <laughs> we talk about wrestling all the time conspiracy so. theories on wrestling <laughs> <laughs> there you go and my NXT spoilers <laughs> And your NXT spoilers, although now with them live all the time. Yeah. Yeah. doesn't happen so much. Yeah.
2: I'm, I'm, I'm going uh, next, next Tuesday. Okay. I, I got my confirmation to go. So.
0: Cool. Um, hold hold on one second. I'm going to end the show and then I'll catch up with you in, in just one second. All right? All right. All, right. all right. all right. see you guys. Thanks for having me. Guys, it was an awesome interview there with rock the rock is he uh, called himself during um, tonight's episode. I want to thank everyone that joined us in the chat. Um, the last week's episode will be released tomorrow. I've been working on the transcribing side of things, uh, trying out a, a bunch of different things to try to help take the uh, podcast and the live show to, uh, to the next level here. And um uh, if you're on Patreon, you guys already know what I'm talking about. Uh, if not, then um, you guys will see. Just follow on social media and all that, and you'll see all the stuff that I'm working on. Uh, in any event, thanks, guys, for spending your Friday with me. I appreciate it. And uh, we will see you next time right here on the Signals from Mars live stream brought to you by the Mars Attacks podcast. See you. See you.